Welcome to Exploring Bible Prophecy with our host, Steve Butler. On today's program, our series entitled, The Second Coming Versus the Rapture, as he opens God's Word to study the difference between the rapture and the second coming. It's time to explore Bible prophecy. Hello, and welcome again to Exploring Bible Prophecy. In our last uh, program, we were reading in the book of John, John chapter 14, and we had done a basic overview of that, and I want to go back now to John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, and let's look at this in some more detail, because this is one of the three uh, primary rapture passages that we have in the New Testament that give uh, what I believe is a clear picture of Jesus and his intention with the church to come for her and to take her to heaven to be with him. So if you would, take out your Bible, because uh, once again, I hope we'll be able to um, give it a good exercise. And if you've got your outline that is available on the radio station at whcbradio.org, and it's the one uh, titled The Differences Between the Rapture of the Church and the Second Coming of Christ. And it's got two columns, and we are in the left-hand column dealing with the rapture. And we are in the middle, if you will, of point number two, uh, titled Jesus Takes His Church, His Bride, uh, made up of the church-age believers, up to heaven. And so far in point number two there, the uh, Acts passage listed had to do with Jesus uh, being described as lifting off the earth and going up to heaven, which he did after his death, burial, and resurrection. And then in uh, the Thessalonian passage, First Thessalonian, probably the most well-known of the rapture passages, we had, um, again, the image of the church, the believers whom... Um, Paul was speaking to uh, to those in Thessalonica that were lifted up first the dead in Christ those that had died from the point of Pentecost in the first century very shortly after Christ left this earth and then uh, all the way up until the point of the rapture we don't know when that is uh, but Lord I could I pray that it could be tonight because I can't wait to be in the presence of the Lord uh, but we are, one of the things that we uh, dwelt on somewhat last program was the comfort, the joy that uh, we are to have in our lives because we are looking forward to the rapture of the church. We're looking forward to being with Jesus Christ. We're looking forward to being our immortal, glorified bodies so that we can be with him forever and ever. And we are comforted in the fact that we will not see nor will we experience any of God's divine wrath that he has promised that he will bring on this earth during what is called the tribulation, that uh, period of time of seven years from sometime after the church is raptured to heaven and then uh, at the end when Jesus comes back to judge the earth and we are coming with him. And, of course, we've explored those scriptures in prior programs here. So let's uh, go to John 14, 
And let's look at this rapture passage in a little more detail and see how much uh, see that we can draw comfort uh, from this. And not only that, but uh, draw uh, quite a bit of detail from it about the rapture. So again, let's read John 14, uh, 1 through, uh, let's read 4 for context. Verse 1, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and you know the way where I am going. And this is part of what's called the upper room discourse. And this was spoken to the apostles. Uh, the night of the Last Supper, Christ would have been betrayed that night, and then it would have been crucified the next day. So this is a very uh, intimate gathering. Uh, Judas has uh, left to kill himself, um, and it's just the 11 apostles that are left, and these are apostles that uh, have believed Jesus Christ is the uh, Son of God, just as we, you know, the, the profession that Peter made back in Matthew 16, uh, these all have made that same profession. So they are now basically members uh, of the church going forward, and we will see them again gloriously. So we're, we're seeing here, let's look at verse 1. It says, do not let your heart be troubled. We talked a little bit about this um, before that this is a comfort statement. This is not something that is leading us to fear. As you recall from our answer to that uh, young lady that uh, asked the question, is there anything to fear about the rapture in our Q&A in the last episode, uh, that there is absolutely no reason to fear. In fact, the only people that should fear are those that are not members of the body of Christ uh, that need to hear the good news and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But those who have, we have nothing but uh, joy, uh, a joyous time to look forward to. So Christ is reaffirming the point here. Do not be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me. And here he's describing heaven. And he says, in heaven, my father's house, heaven, there are many dwelling places. And, you know, a dwelling place is some place that you go to and reside. Uh, it's not some place that you go to and then turn right around and come immediately back. And those who believe that uh, the rapture will take place at the end of the tribulation are um, basically saying that, that we would go up to that dwelling place and immediately come back. And it does beg the question, why would, uh, why would, a, dwell, why would a dwelling place be uh, prepared for you if you weren't going to use it for a period of time? So um, be that as it may. And he wants to make the point about the dwelling places in his father's house emphatic. He says, if this wasn't true, if this wasn't a fact, I would have told you. Now, remember, he's talking to people who believe in their hearts and in their minds that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. So there's no reason for him to speak to them in parables or in any way speak to them that's not clear. So he wants them to know, I'm telling you an honest fact. 
of course, Jesus couldn't lie in the first place, right? That there are many dwelling places in my Father's house, and I have I am going. He hasn't been raptured yet. That'll be a few days later from this point. But he says, I go to prepare a place for you. What a wonderful promise that we have that Jesus Christ, when he rises up, which again is described in Acts chapter 1, when he rises up, he goes to his father's house and he's going to build a place for us. And then he says the most wonderful aspect of this in verse 3, I will come again and receive you to myself. That cannot be a clearer depiction of him coming for his church. Not only coming for his church, he's not just coming down to pick us up. He's coming to pick us up and take us back. And he's told us where he's taking us back to. It's to his father's house, to a dwelling place that has been prepared for each individual one of us. And then he says, there you may be also. So the point is that where he is, when he takes us back, we will be with him in his father's house for a period of time until, of course, we come back with him at the second coming. And, of course, he's talking to the apostles there in verse 4, and he says, you know the way where I'm going. And the way, the only way, is to have faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, which, of course, they do. So such a confident set of just three, four very uh, short but very confident um, increasing, confidence-increasing verses there. And I show also in the handout uh, next to John 14, 1 through 3, also in John 17, 24, and that's the prayer, if you recall from our last episode, the prayer that Jesus prays to his Father, and at the end of the prayer he's saying, He's asking the Father that those who believe in him would be able to see his glory and to be in his glory. So that's a another confirmation that goes along with not only 1 Thessalonians 4, but also John 14, 1 through 3, uh, as rapture passages that we would be with Jesus to be a part of his glory. All right, let's move on. And again, we'll revisit 1 Thessalonians 4 and John 14 a number of times to look at various aspects of it. But let's move on uh, in this particular uh, point here in item number two under the rapture to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15 is the third of the three pretty well-known. Of course, if you're a prophecy student, it's very well-known because these are the passages that get me the most excited (laughs) in the Bible after my salvation is uh, learning about the rapture of the church, something to uh, look forward to. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and this in context is Paul talking to the church at Corinth in southern Greece, and here he's talking about um, the rapture of the church. So let's start reading in verse 50, and we'll go to the end of the chapter, verse 58. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Verse 51, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed 
in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Verse 53, For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal would have, will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Verse 56, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 58, Therefore, my brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. So just as we talked about uh, before about tribulations, we have tribulations in the world today. And I guess uh, the way I would look at that is we have lowercase t tribulations, but there is going to be the capital T tribulation. And the two are not, it's just the same word, but other than that, there is no comparison. There is nothing uh, that would connect one with the other because the tribulation is going to be a time that the earth has never seen. It's going to be a horrible time. And unfortunately, that's what it's going to take for God's wife to come back to him, God's wife being Israel. But the church is not going to see that. You know, one person had made the comment one time that if the rapture took place sometime during the tribulation or at the end of the tribulation, that would basically be saying that Jesus Christ, as our bridegroom, wants us, his bride, to be beat up a little bit, to be roughed up a little bit before he brings us up to heaven to marry him. And I really don't think that's what he intends, that uh, he wants us out of the way, out of that picture before God's divine wrath turns against the world and primarily against Israel. But we see these wonderful promises in 1 Corinthians 50 to 58, They parallel uh, very closely what we read in John 14, and even more so what we read in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, that there is going to be a taking away of the dead first, and then there's going to be taking away of those who are alive at the time of the rapture. Those people will never see or taste death, and their bodies are going to be changed from mortal to immortal and uh, perishable to imperishable, because as we read back in verse 50, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So the idea that the kingdom of God is current and on the earth is not confirmed here. In fact, it's denied here because we are in our flesh and blood state currently. And if we're in the kingdom, then that's a false statement. And I have it on good authority from God himself that there are no errors in the Bible. There are no uh, white is black, uh, black is white. Uh, It's all truth with no error. 
So when it says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom, I know for a fact that the kingdom of God is not on the earth right now. It's something that will be yet future. And we have that to look forward to through the rapture and then the second coming of Christ. So we have um, these three key rapture verses, uh, rapture passages, 1 Thessalonians 4, John 14, and 1 Corinthians 15. And then I wanted to uh, share one other passage with you as a, as a confirmation, if you will, and it's in Thessalonians, and it's in 2 Thessalonians. This is the second letter, the rapture, of course, being described in detail in the first letter that he sent to the Thessalonians. Uh, but he comes back again to provide them with uh, comfort because they continue to hear false messages from false teachers that they had indeed missed the rapture of the church. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, he says, Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. So again, I think you can see, it's pretty clear to me, and of course it's confirmed as you go through that uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 passage, that this is talking about the rapture of the church, the gathering together to him. If this were referring to the second coming, which there are a number of theologians that want to say that this uh, whole thing takes place at the end of the tribulation, that the church must endure the divine wrath of God during the tribulation for some reason, which I, I can't comprehend, um, it would not say gathering together to him, that it would be something along the lines of coming with him. But here we have the wonderful uh, promise that we are going to be gathered together with our Lord in the air before these things take place. As a matter of fact, as you go on through there, it talks about how we have to be taken out before the beginning of the tribulation, because at the beginning of the tribulation, the man of lawlessness isn't revealed. And it says that um, the restrainer of the church, or excuse me, the restrainer of evil will be taken out of the way in order to allow the man of lawlessness to be revealed. And the man of lawlessness is the Antichrist, and it says that he can't be revealed until the restrainer is removed. Well, who is the restrainer? We find that the restrainer is the Holy Spirit. Where does the Holy Spirit reside? The Holy Spirit resides in the church, in each individual member of the church. So by extension, the church represents the restrainer on the earth, the earth uh, the evil on the earth is currently being restrained by the church. So in order for evil to be completely let loose, to do its evil work across the, the face of the earth, that restrainer needs to be removed. And it's, it confirms it in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. It will be removed to, to reveal the Antichrist. And if the restrainer is removed, it means that the church is removed. Because John 14 tells us that the Holy Spirit will never leave the church. The Holy Spirit will never leave the individual members of the church. So if the restrainer is removed, we're removed. What a, what a wonderful thought that is. In fact, what a wonderful fact that is that we, uh, that we find from Scripture in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Okay, we now want to answer a question from a listener, 
So we'll pick up the series here next time. We have a question from, let's see, Sandy in Kingsport. And her question is, does the rapture of the church involve any sort of judgment? If it does involve judgment, what is that judgment? So I think Sandy's a little concerned that there's going to be some judgment for sin, and that's certainly not the case. So let's see if we can help Sandy out there. So Sandy, I appreciate your great question. The rapture does involve judgment, but hold your horses. It's a different type of judgment. Uh, In the rapture, actually following the rapture at the judgment of Christ, it's called the Bema Seat in 2 Corinthians 5. And we'll read that in just a moment. Jesus will be the judge. And of course, we know from John chapter 5 that Jesus is going to be the judge at all the judgments. But this is a separate, special, distinct judgment just for the church. And the, the most distinguishing thing about this judgment is there will be no mention of any sin. No sin will be judged. All the people in the rapture will be will go to heaven in glorified immortal bodies like we just read in 1 Corinthians 15 and will be with the Lord forever uh, following this judgment. So let's look at a few scriptures to see if we can get some clarification. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5 to that Bema seat judgment first. 2 Corinthians 5 and let's look at verse 9. So moving to chapter 5 here. And looking at verse 9, it says in verse 9 of 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore we have also as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. So stepping away from the scripture just a moment, whether at home or absent means whether we're with him or here on earth, meaning absent from him, being here on earth, uh, whatever, wherever you are, our ambition is to be pleasing to him. So back into the scripture at verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So yes, it is judgment. He's going to be judging good or bad, but let me give you some additional confidence here in this judgment. Look at Hebrews chapter 9. So if you're in 2 Corinthians, go to the right, and uh, you get through uh, uh, Timothy and Titus and Philemon, and then you're going to come to Hebrews. And if you go to Hebrews chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 9, and let's look at verses 27 and 28. Uh, These are some wonderful promises that we have for the church. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, And inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment, so Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him. Now, there's a lot going on here. Uh, So just take a moment here and looking at uh, verse 27. It says that um, 
appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. Every person from Adam until the end of the millennial kingdom, if you will, are going to be judged. They're going to die, and then they'll be resurrected to judgment, whether it's the judgment of sin or it's going to be a judgment of your works at the Bema seat. And then in uh, 28, it tells us that Christ offered once, so he's only been on the cross once, and he's going to bear the sins for many. He will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin. And we know that he's talking about the church because, one, it's not a reference to sin, and, two, he talks about those who eagerly await him. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you understand the rapture, you're looking eagerly for him to come for you. So that is a comfort and a joy because you know that when he comes for you and he takes you to heaven, that when you stand at the Bema Seat judgment, you will not be judged for your sin, but you'll be judged for your works. So let's take just a few minutes here uh, to answer Sandy's question in a little more detail in 1 Corinthians 3. So back to the left and find your two Corinthian books. Find 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and it talks about what's going to happen there at the Bema Seat Judgment. In 1 Corinthians 3, verses 14 and 15, for context, let's back up here, and let's start um, at verse 12. And again, he's talking to the church at Corinth, and in verse 12, of First Corinthians 3, it says, Now if any man builds on the foundation, that foundation of um, Jesus Christ, builds on that foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. Verse 14, if any man's work which he builds on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So let me uh, try and unpack that just a little bit. Back up in verse 12 when it says building on a foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, and then it says wood, hay, straw. You can see the dramatic difference between those two. Gold and silver and precious stones. We're talking about things of value, things that will withstand heat to a great degree and which are considered um, to be precious and then on the other side, really totally on the other side, is building a foundation with wood, hay, and straw. And we know that wood, hay, and straw degrade over time. They're not uh, particularly hay and straw are not strong. And if they are ever exposed to heat and fire, they will burn up and they will disappear. So that's the two distinctions of what are you doing uh, as you build your foundation, build on the foundation of Christ uh, through the works in your life. And it says that if you um, have your judgments judged at the beam of seat and they are found to be glorifying to God, you'll receive a, war, a reward. And we'll talk about those in terms of, uh, particularly in terms of crowns in another series of programs here at Exploring uh, Bible Prophecy. And then finally, and the key point is, 
the good and the bad that we read about just a moment ago, it says that if your works are burned up, you will suffer, suffer loss. In other words, you won't receive rewards from Jesus at the Bema seat following the rapture, but you will be saved. You will go to heaven. You just will have forfeited your rewards. Remember, if we don't talk again, I'll be seeing you in the air. Thank you for joining us on today's Exploring Bible Prophecy. Exploring Bible Prophecy is a production of WHCB. Learn more at whcbradio.org.